What's that sound? I think it means it's time for them to try to stump you. Oh, you think so, huh? Well, okay. <laughs> I don't. Do you think they can? Um, I, I think it's very possible, but I'd like to see if they want. I, I'd like to see them try. Okay. You know. I mean, I, I think it's possible. It's possible always because nobody knows everything there's about know about faith. And one of the great things about straight talk is it gives people a chance to dialogue and have an, a, you know, to have a discussion about what it is that we believe and talk about. So yeah, I think it's probably possible. So um, we're ready for the phone calls. And yeah. the phone calls come from, if you on a call in, if you have a question, a concern, if you have a problem, if you have something that's been bugging you forever, um, something that maybe Doug and Sandy talked about or something else that you would like to know about, maybe something you heard that's coming up uh, on our program, other programs, whatever it is, whatever the thought, the concern, um, get on the phone and call 877-795-0122. And you can offer us a question or a comment. You can also um, uh, go to Facebook. Um, we would love to hear you f- from you there or your uh, Real Presence app. So there's all kinds of opportunities and ways for you to do that. So this is the time for you to let us know what's on your mind and in your heart so we have a little dialogue and discussion. So um, 877-795-0122 is the number. Well, Father, uh, I now you were mentioning that this is Bishop Gruce's last day here. And, yeah. And, you know, we've had a lot of great years with him. He's been such a wonderful shepherd to this diocese and, and humble, a humble shepherd. Yes. And so, I don't know, did you know that they had Bishop Robert Gruce Day on Wednesday? Well, I, I did because I'm, I work at the Chancery and I knew that we had we wanted to do that. We had, we had contacted the governor. We thought that... Um, it would be a way of honoring him. And, you know, I think the governor makes these kinds of proclamations, as I understand it, when, when there's somebody in South Dakota that has done something that's noteworthy, that's it's worth paying attention to. And so the proclamation and the declaration of a given day in honor of someone is simply a way of saying, recognizing what it is they've done. And so we asked the governor if she would be willing to do that, and she did, uh, graciously. Uh, we asked her if she could come. And, of course, I, I, I didn't really think that was going to be possible because I know she's a very busy person. But um, we asked her to, if she would please put together a proclamation, and she asked us what kinds of things did he has, has he done or did he do. And so we shared with her some of the good things he's done, and, and out of that came the proclamation and the declaration of December or July 17th as Bishop Groose Day. So it was, uh, it, was, it was pretty wonderful. Yeah. Great experience. So how did you celebrate it? What did you guys do? Have a big party? Well, we have had um, this whole week uh, past, we've had, the bishop had a mass and an and a opportunity to say goodbye to the priests and deacons of the diocese on, on uh, that was on a Tuesday, um, excuse me, Monday. On on Tuesday, we had, um, we invited the whole diocese to come and we had about, oh, I think about maybe 300 people at mass. Um, it could have been a few more, I'm not sure, but we had about 300 people at Mass, and then we had a reception after that. And then on um, on uh, uh, yesterday, um, he had we had an opportunity to, to uh, visit with him as a staff, and we had a Mass, another Mass of Thanksgiving, and so we've been celebrating really all week, if you will, and it's been it's been it's been a, a great opportunity to really honor him. And as he said, it's an opportunity for him to say goodbye to us, and he said some some amazing and beautiful things um, to us about how he has grown as a bishop. You mentioned his humility. It was very evident how he's grown in his uh, being, becoming a bishop and his gratitude to us for how we've helped him with that. And so it was really, it was really wonderful. 
Uh, well, I am. Um, it's kind of amazing how much a bishop can change your life and impact you, and just really move your faith in the right direction. So, uh, it looks like we have a listener question. Okay. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, so we have Laurie from Sturgis, and she's asking, could you explain the difference between sacraments and sacramentals? That's a great question, Laurie. I appreciate you calling in and, and being interested in that. The, the, in the Catholic Church, there are sacraments. There are seven of those, and the sacraments are um, rituals that we engage in that um, we, we have this promise from, from God that he will work within the sacraments. He doesn't have to work within the sacraments. God is God. But he chooses. He chooses to use the sacraments to open us up to his life, to to the grace that he wants to give to us. And, and those, for the most part, those sacraments are what we would say are required in the Catholic Church. And by required, I mean, you know, it's necessary for baptism, to be baptized. Um, confirmation leads us deeper into the life of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's in a very important part of our faith life and something that we ask all Catholics to be engaged in is going to Mass. Um, so in a, you can go through the rest of the sacraments. So these are these are essential elements of our faith that people who are truly Catholic really engage in. Sacramentals are um, what we'd say are other kinds of practices, sometimes objects which really flow out of the sacraments, lead us back into the sacraments. None of those are required. They're not something you have to do because there's so many of them and so many ways for us to live out and practice and celebrate our faith. So they're there as additional aids and helps for us along the way. Certain devotional prayers, um, you know, for example, praying the rosary, um, is obviously a good example of that. Wearing a medal, wearing a brown scapular, those are all considered in, in a broad sense sacramentals. Um, various ways in which we deepen and enrich and continue to live out our faith life in and around the sacraments. So that'd be my explanation for that. Well, that's she didn't stump you there. Yeah, I I, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so uh, we'll have to, maybe if she's got if has a further question, she can call in and ask us another one. Yeah. So. Well, if you're ready to call in and stump Father, the number is 877-795-1022. Now, you were talking about how the sacramentals can help us, you know, with our faith. Would this be a good way, sharing the sacramentals, to help our brothers and sisters in Christ to also grow in their faith? I, I think anytime, anytime you can use any kind of prayer experience, to help other people to enter into that relationship with Christ that Doug and Sandy talked about in our first segment, I think that's important. A good example was today. I have I have good friends and and uh, they have a daughter who's getting married, and they invited me to pray a novena with a group of people for their their daughter and her new her, her soon to be husband, and so it's a great opportunity for for me as a as a as a, a friend and a follower of Jesus to say, I want to I wanna pray this prayer for them. And obviously the thought is I'm doing this for them. And there's a benefit and a blessing that comes from praying for them. However, there's also a, a grace and a benefit that comes for me because I'm entering into that relationship with Jesus. And in doing that, then it helps me also to grow in my faith. Um, um, so it's, it's, uh, um, it's very, very important. Um, you know, to to do that. So yes, it does. They do help us. So, well, here I'm gonna I'm gonna have to be like Bishop Grace and be humble and say, hey guys, I gave you the wrong number because I'm functioning on little to no nothing. <laughs> so the number is eight seven seven 
795-0122. You bet. Aaron corrected me. Thanks, Aaron. I, you know, I need people to help me out here. You bet. And we all make mistakes, so. Well, and you, I owned up to it, so. You bet. One of the one of the things that, uh, I'm going to go back to Bishop Gruss just for a minute, because a lot of people have asked me this question. Um, well, what happens now? People, first of all, people oh, will yeah. say, well, um, when are we going to get a new bishop? Um, I had people say, are you the new bishop? I said, <laughs> I said well, wait a minute, back up. First of all, our Bishop Gruss left is leaving tomorrow to drive to Saginaw. He announced that at one of the gatherings we were at, that he was leaving t- um, tomorrow. But he n- is not officially, um, he does not officially step down as our bishop until the 26th of July when he becomes installed in Saginaw. So until the 26th of July, we have a bishop. Now, technically, he's called the diocesan administrator. That's to distinguish him from being the ordinary. In the Catholic language, we have a, we have an an ordinary bishop who's the guy in charge, um, who has certain authority, responsibilities, duties for his diocese. Um, so our bishop is no longer our ordinary. He's an administrator. He's continuing to run the diocese. And, you know, to, an ordinary versus a diocesan administrator means there's certain things that he can't do. They're very minimal, and they wouldn't be, some, be something that the ordinary person would notice. But when he leaves us on July 26th, then the group of priests called the consultors, who are, um, um, there can be, I think, six to eight or six to 12. In our diocese, there are six. Those six priests get together. They've advised Bishop Gruce for the last few years. They get together and they choose from among the priests of the diocese a diocesan administrator. They choose someone who is then going to step into that role that Bishop Gruce has just left. As the or as the administrator of the diocese, and that person will 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 oversee the operation of the diocese. Basically, keep things going, keep the business of the diocese or episcopate going until we get a new bishop. People say, "How long will that take?" Well, I mean, it could happen tomorrow, I suppose, but in the normal course of events, it takes you know somewhere between six months to a year. In some dioceses, can wait as long as two years before the Holy Father chooses someone to replace the bishop who has left. And so the administrator of the diocese basically manages the diocese in that between time. And, um, you know, the process of how someone is chosen um, is uh, something that, um, you know, there's kind of surveys done and and, uh, research done uh, by... um, the Apostolic Nuncio, the Pope's representative in America, working with a with a committee of bishops, they surface names, they surface you know qualities and characteristics, they surface needs of the diocese. All of that gets funneled to the to the Nuncio and names of potential candidates. That's then sent to Rome, to a, a con- what's called the Congregation for Bishops, and that group of the, whoever runs that congregation eventually presents to the bishop to the Holy Father three names. And my understanding is the Holy Father can choose one of those names or he can reject all three. Um, and so the, it's a process that takes time and effort. And, and so it, it, it's, it, that's why it takes six months, a year sometimes for that to happen. So, Well, that was very informative. I mean, yeah. I didn't understand how, how it impacts the entire diocese, even on you know, your level as yeah. the priest how it really probably makes it a little bit more complex, especially as Vicar General. You bet. So, well, it looks like we have a caller on the phone. Are you ready for her question? I am. Nancy from Nislin, are you there? Actually, my name is Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Oh, but hi, I am Kathy. from Nislin. 
Okay. Hi, <laughs> Hi Father. Um, actually, it's funny because I was going to ask about how a how an administrator is is chosen, but my my actual question that I have for you is: How did we start using stained glass in our churches? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, interesting question. Um, and here I'm going to give you my understanding. I don't know exactly when stained glass began to be used, but I'm going to broad, okay. if I can broaden your question to when did what about artwork in churches? Because really, stained glass windows are are, are, are artwork. And, and my understanding Absolutely. is okay. My understanding is that when um, you know we we live in an illiterate society. You know, I mean, it's it, we would say it's truly sad if we meet somebody who can't read. I mean, that would be a, yeah. kind of an amazing thing. Um, we have to think back in for you know for for uh, for centuries in the Catholic Church, the vast majority of people could not read, and so the artwork became the way that they could tell or share their faith. So imagine yourself being a woman, an ordinary everyday woman, living in um, you know the the twelve hundreds in in Europe. And you go to the church because you've always gone to the church because it's part of your faith, it's part of your, the way you practice your life. And you bring your kids along and your kids ask questions. And as a mother who can't read, you can look at the pictures, meaning the stained glass windows or the statues or the other kinds of artwork that were created, and you can begin to share the faith with your children. Well, that's a picture of um, our Blessed Mother. And you tell the story of who she was, what you know, what you've heard, what's been passed on. So it was, a, it was an oral tradition. But the, but the windows, the artwork, the decorations became a means for us to um, capture and to share the faith. In addition to that, any kind of art that has been developed, I mean, when you look at the history of Europe, the history of art really is, is very deeply tied up with the history of the church because people who had those skills and abilities um, needed someone to pay them to do what they did and oftentimes what they, what the, 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 who paid them were the wealthy people who had money who wanted to honor a saint, wanted to honor uh, somebody in their family and so they asked artists to compose or create um, images, windows, um, statuary, uh, paintings that really ref- that what that um, reflected our faith, and it also ref- it also gave the artist an opportunity to give honor and glory to God. If you walk into some of the churches of Europe today, and even in the United States, and you think without electricity, so much of this artwork would not be visible, because the churches didn't have lots of windows and there wasn't a lot of natural light. So you have to understand that these artists were really first and foremost giving honor and glory to God by sharing their gifts and talents and creating something beautiful. So the combination of artists working together and the combination of um, of needing to share and pass on the faith for illiterate people, I think is where the whole development of artwork came in, in the Catholic Church. Does that make sense? I It makes perfect sense. It's a great answer. Thank you so much. You bet, Kathy. It's good to talk to you. Nice to talk to you, too. Bye. Thank you. You bet. Well, if you're downtown here in Rapid City, stop into the Mustard Seed and ask Father a question in person. That's a good idea. That would be a great idea. Yeah. We have a couple headsets here. You can sit down. Sit be on down the radio. <laughs> um, you could, again, rem- remember to call 877 795 
877-795-0122. If you have a question, we've had two wonderful calls. We'd, we'd love to have some more. We're going to do this for uh, until the top of the hour. So if you have questions, let us know. We'd be happy to, uh, to uh, um, take those questions and explore um, the answers. And sometimes people can call in and give us information and share things with us that maybe we don't know. That would be also very helpful. That would be wonderful. Yeah, great gift and great opportunity. So um, this, I, I had, I've been thinking about this since this morning. I, got, I get up in the morning and pray. So I got up this morning and um, I, I would, had to celebrate Mass um, because I, I don't, didn't have some place to go to do Mass. So I was doing it in my chapel in the house where I live. And um, the, the scriptures today have... Um, uh, another one of these um, uh, very short but powerful um, teachings of Jesus. This one today was in the scriptures. It says, go and learn the meaning of the phrase, it is a mercy that I desire and not sacrifice. Now, in, as I understand it, you know, what Jesus was, you know, because he, who he was arguing with was, you know, was commenting about the sacrifice of the temple, the ritual practices of the temple, and whether you know, and how, the rules and regulations that were all around those, and and how they should or shouldn't be done, and who was doing the right thing or the wrong thing, and that kind of thing. And so I've been thinking about that today, and I thought, well, you know, there is no question in my mind that we need guidelines, we need rules, we need we need things to keep us moving forward, because left to ourselves, we will go to what is easiest, what is quickest. What is right. safest, you know, in terms of what anything, we're comfortable with, what we're comfortable with. And so we need guidelines that say, you know, and, and the guidelines are grounded in the beautiful tradition of the Catholic Church. You know, for 2000 years, um, Catholics have prayed to God. Catholics have practiced their faith in these practices, these rituals, these activities have proven to be beneficial and helpful. You know, and a good example of that is like I, I mentioned earlier, the, the rosary, you know, this prayer has worked, and it's worked, and it's worked, and it's worked. It's powerful. It's good. And so those kinds of guidelines are there that says, you know, you should really engage in this prayer. You know, now that's not a, a have to, but, you know, it's it's one of those examples where we say these things really help us. When we get to the sacraments, there's a little bit more, there's a little more structure to those. But as I'm thinking about all that, and I'm thinking about how we at times in the Catholic Church, start arguing and um, fighting about and talking about these various um, dimensions or aspects of our faith, I heard Jesus saying, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And what I kept thinking is, we need to put this into perspective. And, and as I was thinking about celebrating the Mass this morning, I thought to myself, the most important thing is, when you go to Mass, are you praying? Are you truly encountering Jesus and praying to him? Now, there's a structure there that helps you to do that. And we can get off base too quickly and turn it into some sort of a opportunity for you and I to have fun together instead of really reaching out to the Lord. But the flip side of that is sometimes we get very um, caught up in the perfection of the following of the rules to the point to where I forget that right. what this is all about is I'm praying to Jesus. And so, you know, when it's all said and done, when I get done at the end of Mass, what I want to ask myself is, did I encounter Jesus and did I pray with him and pray through him to God the Father? That, that's important. That's really important. 
Right. That's beautiful. Yeah, well, but it's, it's I mean, because I, and I'm, I'm a liturgy director, and so it's very easy for me to get caught into the weeds, you know? Right. And, exactly. and, to, and to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's, what's real important here? So that was just a thought I had. So um, if that was helpful, if you have any questions that spin off of that, uh, you can call 877-795-0122, and uh, we'll take your questions. You can also go on Facebook, or you can do um, the uh, Real Presence app. So these are all opportunities and possibilities for you. So um, give us a call. Let us know what you're thinking, what's in your heart, what's in your mind um, on this beautiful sunny day in Rapid City, South Dakota, or wherever you happen to be today. So, Yeah, I think that um, having that personal encounter with Jesus at Mass is probably one of the most powerful you know, parts of my, my time at Mass. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to take my kids to daily Mass more. We've slipped off in the summer. It's, it's so hard when you don't have that schedule of school. The routine, yeah. Yeah. To, to remember even, we'll look at the clock, oh no, we should have left five minutes ago. Yeah. Nobody's ready. So then you let it slip and you go. But And, and I don't know mm. if that's necessarily because we're just so busy or if it's because we're out of the routine, but summer is a hard time to keep to keep going with growing your faith. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of us too easily make excuses and exactly. say, well, I'm busy. Or mm-hmm. it's it's summer because we have the mentality that you know school starts in September, ends in May kind of thing. You know that that cycle. Right. And so we take the summer off, and and it's like, well, no, we don't take the summer off in terms of our relationship with God. Just like you and your husband, Karen, do not take the summer off. <laughs> this is like you know we love each other from September to May, and then through the summer months we're just too busy. Yeah, it's right. Like, too busy to have time for each other. Yeah, we no, we have to do that. Yeah, we have make to, the effort. Yeah, and you have to make the effort, and and uh, and so I, I applaud you for even saying. I think even having the awareness that says. We've kind of slipped off this summer, and, and you know, we, and we need to work at that. I mean, to me, is is just those kinds of reminders. Is like, are, are real, it's, and I think it's the Lord kind of tugging at your sleeve, saying, "I would like you to come." You know, right? And well, yesterday on our way to the picnic, of course, we had all the food. Mm-hmm. We're toting down from Sturgis all the way to Rapid, and, and my kids, like, you know, they they did a lot of help, and it was kind of a rat race to get us all there on time. And as we're, we got in the van and we're starting to drive, and I said, okay, that's it. We're just going to say a rosary for all of the RPR listeners and for their supporters, and especially for the people who will be in attendance at the picnic tonight. And I thought, you know, normally the kids are like, oh, another rosary. You know, yes. You know, we're all in the car. We're going to say a rosary. Yeah. You really don't have any choice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But they all responded with, oh, mom, I'm so glad. I was just going to suggest that. Or a comment, nice. you know, like, oh, yeah, Mom, I was just thinking we should do that. And I thought, okay, God, I get you. Maybe we need to up our prayers if the kids are, you know, excited. Well, to uh, and, they're, the and they're seeing the value of it. And yeah. They, they probably, on a very unconscious level, realize that there's a blessing and benefit that comes from that. And maybe they're not conscious of it all the time. But Right, right. Once in a great while. Well, you have about five minutes left to call in with a question to Stump Father because they've been pretty easy today. We haven't really taxed yeah. him. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little, um, you know, kind of like a little meat here to really. A the questions meat. we've had have been great. They have been. Um, they've been really great, but I'd kind of like a little, like a. Something like, deep. Something that I really have to, like, I can't, okay, I, I'm not sure I can answer that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. So. <laughs> that would be interesting. So the number to call is 877-795-0122. Again, you can reach us on Facebook or um, the father had mentioned the app. There's really a lot of ways to get in contact Different with us this morning. Us, yeah. 
Um, so we'll we'll uh, we'll see if any more come in uh, in the next few minutes um, as we're uh, wrapping up this time of straight talk. So um, yes, I think I think it's a good reminder that the summer is a time when we we really don't stop being faithful, stop being. Catholics, you know, um, I, I'm quite honestly, I'm amazed at the number of people who don't go to mass during the summertime. Really? Yeah, it is. It's kind of amazing to me. And um, I think, and I mean, I'm not talking about people who, I mean, from in the fall would never miss. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, it's interesting how you would, you know, it, it, again, I go back to the analogy of the parent. It'd be like, it'd be like you, um, you know, loving your husband from, you know, and then through the summer, just treating him awful or totally ignoring him. And saying, "Oh, that's okay," because <laughs> really, I love him most of the time. Most of the time. You well, and, and I'll have to say, I mean, there have been summers that that's happened in our marriage, and it has done nothing to help our family. Yep. It has done nothing to help our our relationship grow. It's just it's hurt us. Yep. So, well, we have another question, Father. So let's see if this one's okay. a good one for you. Alicia from Bismarck wants to know, um, when Jesus said to John at the cross, "Behold, your mother." They say that John represents all of us. How does he represent us? Can you explain this? Well, now, that's a great question, too. That is a great uh, question. That's wonderful. Here would be my understanding of that. Okay, so John is one of the 12 apostles. And um, when we think um, apostle or disciple of Jesus, you know, we certainly remember Jesus saying to his apostles, to his disciples, go out, spread the good news, you know, draw other disciples into this relationship and so what we've always understood is that John stands there as the only apostle in John's gospel who didn't run away and hide he's there he's there till the end so that speaks to his faith and his conviction and he's probably there to support Jesus mother and so and so when Jesus says you know behold your mother um, behold your um, your uh, son Jesus, you know, what we believe is Jesus was saying that this man who is my you know, intimate follower represents all of those who have or will follow me. And um, you are, because you are all my disciples. Anybody who is willing to stand beside me at the cross is a disciple to me. So so in that sense, we we see John as the representative, just like we see Mary as, you know, Jesus saying, behold your mother, saying she is, she's more than just my biological mother. She is the mother of all of my disciples, everybody who chooses to follow me, to be, a, you know, to, to enter into this death and resurrection that is, is my life. And, and so we, we join those two together and we say that that's why John becomes the representative of all of us, because he is, like all of us, a disciple of Jesus. And why Mary is the mother of all of us, because because she is Jesus gives her to all of us. So that that would be, that would be how I I try to explain that. Um, um, for you said Alicia uh, in Bismarck. So hope that helps. Yeah, that was a great question. Thanks for letting us answer that for you. Here's another one. Oh yeah, here is. We have another one on Facebook. Michelle says, my dad wants to know if God only created Adam and Eve, how did everyone else come about if they only had two sons? Again, a very interesting question. You know, we have to understand that the creation stories of the Bible are not history in the sense that we understand history. We understand history as fact versus fiction. So it is historical fact that Karen and I are sitting in mustard seed at um, five minutes to nine on July 19th. That's a fact. And if we said that we are we were at the mustard seed at on, on the 20th, we'd say that's not true. 
Okay, the the scriptures the are the scriptures are not um, are not history in that sense at least the, the creation stories are not that doesn't mean the bible doesn't contain history it certainly does it contains fact versus fiction kinds of history but the creation stories were written to convey to us the truths of our faith and the truth of our faith is that god at some point in the 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 in the creation experience gave a soul to a man and a woman adam and eve and that they then passed on or continued on um, through the grace and the and the the gift of God, and and through the through human um, uh, procreation, they then pass on that gift of soul and that gift of life to all of us. So you can't look at the at the Bible and say, well, there Adam and Eve, and there were two boys. Actually, Adam and Eve had three sons, according to the scriptures. Um, um, one killed the other, and so there were two that lived. But you know, the, the truth is that I mean, what we want to say is that's that's a, that's an expression of what we believe that God created human beings that God imbued human beings with a soul it's not a literal explanation of how the human race came into existence if that makes sense and, and that you know Pope John Paul II talked about that some years um, um, toward the end of his papacy when he when he talked about um, you know our understanding of how human beings came to be it doesn't deny our faith that says God gave life and a soul to to a man and a woman so well thank you michelle for posting your dad's question on facebook we appreciate all our comments we receive on facebook yep and thank your dad for um reading the bible that's great exactly <laughs> wonderful experience so well we've come to the end of this uh segment once again it was a good and we had we had lots of activity we appreciate that we're gonna uh, hopefully we'll keep that up um, we thank all of those who called in and um, you know gave us their questions. Um, a reminder that this segment is on and at um, at nine thirty Central Time, eight thirty Mountain Time every Monday through Friday. So it's a great opportunity for you to call in and get answers to your questions. Coming up next, we will pray for your intentions during the prayerfully prayerfully yours segment of our show. And then later on the show, we're going to be we're going to hear about a great opportunity that brings God's gifts and bountiful food together. Father Mike Malloy, along with Karen Gibis, please stay with us for Real Presence Live as we continue this great morning. <laughs> 